Thank you all. And thank you all for being here and joining us online and being accommodating with all the changes we've had to make so that we can worship together one last time. Gather up the brokenness and bring it to me now. And there's no easy way to start this message this morning. There's no easy way to summarize what the last days have brought. We have seen our world shut down piece by piece, closing institutions and schools and churches in an ever-encroaching map whose boundaries are closing in. We are here in Kenosha preparing to do so soon what so much of the world has already done. Hunker down, stay inside, limit our interactions with the outside world, all in the hopes of stalling the inevitable fact that many of us will get sick. And some of us will die. Those of us who are the parents of children of any age, and those of us who are the children of parents of any age, feel added responsibility to be strong and care for those for whom we feel responsible. We can become devastated if we cannot simply hold it together. We all sometimes forget to care for ourselves. We in this community who are travelers and those who work with the sick, those who are medical providers and educators and those who, let's face it, wouldn't be drawn to this community if we weren't all in some way drawn to community in general. Yes, I think that what's been so scary for me and for many of the folks I've, I've spoken with these last few days is not the illness itself. No, we have a unique ability as human beings to downplay the possibility of future pain, no matter how probable it might be. Nor is it that we might have to schedule more memorial services in the next year than we had ever hoped for, though this is a very real possibility as well. Now, the scariest thing about this time for many of us, myself included, is that we are being asked to be isolated from each other at just the precise moment we most need each other. We are asked to be isolated just when we need each other the most. And this plays directly on one of our core dualities as human beings. That we are at all times, in all ways, we are all, at once, both vulnerable and powerful. Vulnerable and powerful. We are all vulnerable. Any of us can fall ill. Any of us can and will feel pain in our lives. Each and every last one of us is finite, is mortal. 
And yet we are powerful. We all on some level have a personal autonomy that grants us agency in our lives. When we're able, we try to make good on our obligations to others. For our care, for our livelihood, for our family, out of necessity, but also out of love. Now it needs to be said that a person's power is directly related to one's privilege. And so just as we all have varying degrees of vulnerability in any situation, so too do we encompass a spectrum of power. But ultimately, as human beings, we are both vulnerable and powerful. And universalism, by the way, has recognized this duality and, and talked about this for millennia, albeit in slightly different ways over the centuries. Currently, we can conceptualize the theology of universalism as meaning that we are all loved and we are all responsible to love. We are all loved and we are all responsible. We are all vulnerable, yet all powerful. To varying degrees, we are all dependent upon the generosity of others and all hold some amount of responsibility for other people, if only as part of the social compact and as members of the fellow human family. But universalism, as we know, is not easy. It is not easy to feel the love of the universe which we all deserve when pandemics blight the earth when polar ice caps melt, when divisive politics convince us of the lie that we are more different than we are alike. It is not easy to know that those of our leaders who act only in their own self-interests are also deserving of love. And even harder to accept that it is indeed our job to love them. And it is sad also to realize that while universalism has always been true, this concept of a benevolent cosmos from which we all come and to which we will all return, or that simple idea that we are all in this together, universalism is often best illustrated in the negative. We point to things like global climate change, proliferation of nuclear weapons and the interconnectedness of the world economy to illustrate the necessity of accepting the universalist truth. We say, look, universalism was right all along. What one does directly affects all indirectly. See how our oceans rise at the same rate as China's. How air quality here is affected by forest fires in California. How local politics can make markets drop half a world away. How an outbreak of a virus can encompass the globe in a few short weeks. We speak of the intersectionality of oppressions, linking the forces in power that keep all of the marginalized from rising up and find ever more ways to claim specific identities to keep us separate. But it is time like 
these that we need proclaim the positive, the affirmative of universalism, the proactive implications of this all-encompassing theology of love and responsibility. Because we are all connected, because our fates are tied in that single garment of destiny that King speaks of, what every individual does matters. Despite or because of the fact that we, we share a common vulnerability, so too do our collective voices represent immense power. Even though we rely upon each other for so much of what keeps us alive, we each contribute to the community of life in our own unique ways. And we all help to build the universalist truth every moment of every day through our decisions. And we have some decisions to make. We are a caring community here at Bradford Community Church, Unitarian Universalist. And we value our time together on Sunday mornings and our other interactions throughout the week here in our beautiful historic building. In discussing of holding services this morning, your leadership struggled with equally important conflicting values. These were safety of our members and the emotional spiritual care of our members. As good universalists, we ultimately decided we needed to remain open for as long as was possible in order to provide our members with the greatest amount of security, care, and comfort as we approach this period of forced isolation. But we are already preparing to be apart for a while. Lifting up our pastoral companions and providing ever more ways to request a pastoral dialogue Transitioning to online broadcasts of our services, setting up video conferencing and remote meeting methods. And we are a caring community that will continue to care for one another and the world, even if and when we are unable to meet together physically. This element of compassionate community is a central reason that Bradford UU exists in the first place. The very reason we have ministers and pastoral companions and joys and concerns and chalice circles and book clubs and discussion groups. And it is going to be increasingly important in the weeks ahead that we do not lose touch, do not lose contact, do not lose care for one another even when we cannot be in the same room at the same time. We are going to work extra hard to stay in dialogue with one another, using many of the tools we already use and have access to, like technology, like our Facebook and email, but also relying on slightly older technologies like letter writing and sending cards and just simply picking up the phone. We are also going to be exploring new ways to get out setting up more service broadcasts that incorporate online collaboration and some more interactivity for those participating, potentially meeting uh, via video conferencing 
conference calls and setting up committee-specific or group-specific message boards. And I and the pastoral companions are beginning to assemble and maintain a contact list of all of our folks who are able and willing to help others in need. Now, this is not pastoral needs. This is more simple, direct needs, like offering rides, picking up groceries and prescriptions, doing light work around the house for those who are temporarily incapacitated, and other ways that we might support each other. So if you are interested in being part of our larger community of care here at Bradford, you may contact us, uh, contact us through the website, again, at bradfordreview.org slash care. It is an unfortunate situation that has compelled this work to begin, but it is also an exciting opportunity that we have to explore ever new ways to stay connected with each other and to that spark of love which dwells within us all. But it's going to take each and every one of us here and out in cyberspace making a strong commitment right now that we are not going to isolate even if we are quarantined. We are going to make an effort to pick up the phone and write the text and email and the personal letter. We are going to attend a virtual meeting and do a check-in from our living room with our cats occasionally walking across the keyboard, or at least my cats will. We're all going to read the March Book Club selection, An American Marriage by Tiari Jones, available on Kindle and Amazon, because, well, there's no excuse not to. And then we'll set up a couple different ways to talk about it. We're all going to go through the Transforming uh, Hearts Collective curriculum online, right? Because it will bring us closer to each other even when we're not seeing each other on Sunday mornings. We're going to remind each other to get their absentee ballots in, right? You ordered your absentee ballots yet? If not, this is a reminder. Now, I'm looking forward to all the different ways we find to support each other in this coming time of uncertainty and encourage us all to be vigilant in both safety and community. Vigilant to help respond to the health crisis by minimizing our individual exposure and ability to spread the disease and vigilant to remain connected to the people and the community we love. We must remind each other and ourselves constantly about who we are in our best moments. Because it is times like these when the world, indeed that benevolent universe, calls us, relies on us to be our very best. And that is what Bradford Community Church is all about. And that is what we are called to do and to be in this time. Now before I close, I would like to just have our pastoral companions come forward and raise your hand and be recognized so people know who you are. We've got Reverend Dr. Monica Cummings, 
here with us. Jim Payne is not in the sanctuary, but is a long-term pastoral companion. Denise Colley, of course, our intern minister this year. Harry Ritter and Barb Deberg. Let's give them all a big round of applause. Again, I want to thank everyone for being here and accommodating our different type of service this morning. May we all be emboldened in our strength through our relationships here in our community, which will continue regardless of whether or not we're meeting in this space. So thank you all. Blessed be. And amen.